This Fed now is moving towards cashless. It is controlling payment processors. They want all payment processing brought under their umbrella. They want to reconcile all transactions. I'll show you some quotes from actual media articles about them. They want to control banking. They want to control insurance companies. They want to control employers uh, paying their employees. They want to control money. Ready to live at the higher vibrations where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey everyone, Robin Openshaw here. Uh, Welcome. Tonight we are talking about some of the biggest breaking news that I've seen since March of 2020. Uh, I consider this to be the hostile takeover of the global financial system, or at least an attempt at it. I think what we are seeing here with a program called a super app, um, which is the Federal Reserve is launching its effort at the global control grid. Okay, um, It will be sold to you as all banking, all payment processors um, under one roof, but it's also a police state and it's a surveillance state. And that is not the stuff that they will actually be talking about. But just to introduce myself, if you don't know me, I have been a health and wellness influencer for 16 years before there was a word for it. There was no word influencer. When I was out online uh, as Green Smoothie Girl uh, many years ago, I've, I'm the author of 16 books as well. But if you, don't, if you don't know me from there, probably more relevant to this conversation and how I got involved in a lot of activism starting in March of 2020 is that not only have I been a business owner now for 36 years, I believe I also taught American heritage, civics, and economics uh, many, many years ago. And so I recognized the Marxist playbook in action. I recognized the Hegelian dialectic. I recognized that the consolidation that had actually been alarmed about for many years of of consolidating all industries, uh, who who wants 3,000 businesses in one sector when you could just have three, it's a lot easier to control three than to control 3,000. So I was seeing a lot of consolidation. I was seeing what March of 2020 really represented and what it kicked off. And so um, later in my career, I taught for many years also at Brigham Young University uh, as upper division MCOM faculty, uh, teaching seniors uh, in the elite Merritt School of Management at Brigham Young University. So I I think I was seeing what the big play was in March of 2020. And if you were following me from 2020, you might not realize that what I was actually protesting, there was no vaccine. Okay. When I ran 12 huge protests in Utah, I was protesting the death of the free market system. I was protesting the takedown of small businesses. So All right, the Federal Reserve, this is what the front of the building looks like. Look at how official they make it look. Look how federal they make it look. Not an accident, but I believe that this is their big play. And I'm going to show you the weaknesses of this play. I'm going to give you some hope at the end. I'm going to tell you how we prepare ourselves, what it is that our role could be in standing up to this. This is what a lot of you are probably here for, is that you've been suspecting something like this because of all the evidence that you've seen for the last two and a half years. You know, it's been interesting to watch after teaching Marxism and collectivism and socialism, which is usually a stepping stone to communism, where it goes from the state dictating all the terms of commerce to the state actually owning 
all the terms of commerce has been really interesting the last several years and, and pretty troubling to see them rebrand it, to take Marxism and get away from that because it has such a bad name because over 80 countries in the world have fallen into collectivism. And it's never gone well, right? It's gone well for the 1% of 1% who eat rich foods and they, the world is their playground and they have access to travel and they're very, very wealthy uh, and they rule nations. It goes well for 1% of 1%, but it does not go well for the middle class. It does not go well for the upper middle class. They must be destroyed in Marxism. And we are seeing the middle class and the upper middle class under assault in what looks to me an awful lot like the Marxist playbook, but they sell it to you with some beautiful words, some lovely sounding words we can all get behind. They love to talk about equity and inclusion. There is no equity or inclusion in socialism or communism unless you're one of the 1% of 1%. So this FedNow program that has been announced, um, they're calling it a super app. And part of it is, and I'll even show you some screenshots of Uh, Some of the media stories that are coming out about it is that part of it is eliminating cash. We already know that executive order that uh, Biden signed on March 9th of this year, very quietly, nobody knew anything about it. I only first heard about it maybe a month ago, calls for the end of cash in December of this year, December of 2020, they want to eliminate cash. Um, This Fed now is moving towards cashless. It is controlling payment processors. They want all payment processing brought under their umbrella. They want to reconcile all transactions. I'll show you some quotes from actual media articles about them. They want to control banking. They want to control insurance companies. They want to control employers uh, paying their employees. They want to control money. Now, I've put a screenshot up here that this this is the actual uh, FedNow website. And it is no joke. There are 84 different documents and videos that you can watch on there. And I've spent a great deal of time on this website in the last week where it has finally been uh, revealed. But they've actually been working on it probably for a few years because they sort of started alpha testing it 18 months ago. But now they are actually coming out with it and talking to the world about it. It looks to me like from now until they're what they want to be their full launch, somewhere between nine months and 12 months from now, they look to me like they're mostly recruiting institutions. So the Federal Reserve, I'm not going to do like a, that's like a whole other class, right? But to boil it down to its cliff notes, the Federal Reserve was organized um, by some banksters, I call them, and some, some billionaires from around the world. They were not Americans. And they came together and they went away to a little place called Jekyll Island. And they even went by aliases. They made sure nobody was following them. This was very secretive. It was a very momentous time in history. What is that, 109 years ago? Uh, We had an American president who tried to stand up to the Federal Reserve because under American law, what the Federal Reserve did is illegal. The problem is the Federal Reserve is an American, right? So it's actually in total violation of a couple of antitrust laws, but I'm going to highlight one. Uh, so the Federal Reserve had been illegal under American law for 23 years when it was organized. You have the Sherman Antitrust Act. Um, I'll put it up on the screen here in a second. But if you want to read about what happened in 1913 that formed the Federal Reserve, which is no more federal than Federal Express is, it is not run by your federal government. If anything, the Federal Reserve more runs the governments of the world than the other way around. But this book right here tells the story of the world's billionaires coming together in 1913 to form the Federal Reserve to take over control 
of money, lending, banking, all of it. And so G. Edward Griffin wrote it. He's still alive. He holds a conference every year on Jekyll Island. Um, I believe he's getting pretty close to 90, but he's really sharp. And you can do a deep dive or you could go on YouTube and you can watch a video about it. So here's just a wiki on our actual law that makes um, this an anti-competitive agreement and it's it regulates against monopolies, okay, or or businesses coming together to create monopolies. It's uh, against multiple laws in the United States, but this is one of them. Okay, so one of the things that the Fed now system is trying to uh, put out there to make it appealing to you is that they say, well, we did a, this poll of, of almost 10,000 people and a majority of them are enthusiastic about it. And so you can go in and you can put your information in, look at, you can put it in on LinkedIn and you can find that, oh, lots of people really want a super app. Why would I want to go to PayPal separately from Venmo, separately from paying my Visa and MasterCard and American Express bills and send money to my friends by Zelle or by Stripe. Why would I do that when I could have this one-stop shop? Well, I'm here to talk to you about why you don't want that, why we need to get word out, why we need to educate ourselves. We need to educate our employers. Okay, They want this to be a payment payment rails for, for payroll. They, they're really, they're actually coming out and saying that. And so I think it's like all the shiny objects that we Americans have embraced, the people of the world has, have embraced. Why wouldn't we want to be able to get rid of all the dictionaries and encyclopedias and reference books? And heck, let's get rid of libraries. How great is Google, right? Like, so we love that shiny object. We love our iPhones, which is, you know, you've probably seen the pictures of like 30 different technologies that we used to have that all come together in our hand in our iPhone. So um, I think that they are going to sell this to us as something like that. Why wouldn't we like Facebook? There's literally billions of people on Facebook. You can, as a business, you can hold, you can have groups in there. It's free. Well, that's because they want everybody on that platform so they can use your data for a lot of different reasons that we're now finding out are some, some of those reasons they want our data for are pretty draconian. So they're selling us on, well, hey, almost 10,000 people, the majority of them want to have this super app. They're enthusiastic about it. But what's really interesting to me is that the poll is had no Americans in it. It's almost 10,000 Germans, Australians, and Brits who are far more socialist than we are and have gone way further down the road towards accepting collectivism, where you as an individual don't have rights. You're just a cog in the big wheel and... You know, you might under socialism or collectivism or communism make fun of someone who thinks that they matter at all, but they have any rights, which is sort of an American concept, because you just serve the 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 Borg. You serve the the collective. This is very, very common in most of the countries in the world at this point. So the benefits they're trying to pitch you on are pretty lame, honestly. It, all they can really offer us is, well, it's your one-stop shop. Who who doesn't want everything that you do under the umbrella of banking and money transfer to be just at your fingertips in an app in your phone, right? And they kind of do make like some vague reference to, well, people might be kind of concerned about fraud, but hey, we're the Federal Reserve. We've got you. But that's about it. That's about all they've got to um, 
to pitch you on. And I want to mention, those of you who know my story, that 14 months ago when we launched our mastermind where we talk about all these things, I'm bringing this out of the mastermind to talk to this in the in the larger world, um, in my other ecosystems where we talk about health and wellness or we talk about uh, crypto and DeFi. Uh, we want to educate everybody about this, but um, there's there's uh, quite a few reasons why you might not want to be involved in my getting canceled 14 months ago when we launched our mastermind by PayPal, Square, and Venmo in one week should give you pause about whether you want to really have the consolidation of all financial services under the global cartel of the Federal Reserve. That should that should give you pause. If I got canceled by three central bank-backed institutions in one week, and they would not tell me why. Okay, we wrote them multiple letters. They would not tell me why. Then my lawyers wrote them. They wouldn't tell my lawyers why either. I mean, they literally said, we're not going to tell you why. So uh, in the media discussions of FedNow, they don't bring up things like our inevitable catastrophic losses in privacy, um, the need to go to digital ID for this to work, the increased government control, um, the freedom for we the people. The, and so again, digital ID required, more of a surveillance state required. So um, there's no discussion of any of that. They don't mention, they're not going to bring out the parts early on as they first bring us fed now. They're not going to be talking to us about things that they've already gotten pushback from the American people about. The digital ID will be part of this. Uh, blockchain, I would imagine, will be part of this, okay? Or any discussion of privacy or or civil rights, individual human rights. None of none of the media articles that I read that I was able to discover discuss these issues at all. So surprise, we're actually not going live with FedNow nine to twelve months from now on the blockchain. It's not on the blockchain. It's not going to be a central bank digital currency in the way that most people think of it, as in it's on a transparent ledger and it's not decentralized or it's not. Uh, uh, there, there's no cryptocurrency ledger. I don't know why, but what I think it is, is that that's probably a next level migration that they're going to do later. We have seen this, right? We've already seen this movie. We know that they go stepwise, one step at a time, because we would choke on the whole big story if they brought it all to us at once, right? So they break it down in chunks and we choke on one bit and we choke on another bit, but they get people to take this step at a time down the primrose path. And I think the other issue is that there isn't any blockchain technology that moves fast enough for the global 24-7 transactions, this very, very ambitious program that they're trying to bring us. So the shiny media articles pitch only its virtues. They don't talk about its dark side. I'm showing you here a screenshot of something I want to read you, but I put it on the next screen so that I can just read it to you so you get some clues about what this really is. This is what that article said, round the clock. Real-time payments often are credited to the Venmos and the PayPals of the world. But next year, the nationwide introduction of the Federal Reserve's FedNow SM service will offer 24-7, 365 funds available to various types of financial institutions. They move beyond the person-to-person or P2P use cases that fintechs popularized. Okay, So fintechs are financial technologies. 
The FedNow service will broaden access to instant payment features use cases by clearing and settling payments between financial, financial institutions around the clock every day in a Federal Reserve Bank master account. Okay, so all these different financial institutions, you got 24-7 access, you can do transactions all around the clock, but it's all in a Federal Reserve Bank master account. This appears to me to be the Federal Reserve trying to get back whatever control that they've lost because they've they've had a lot of pushback from people all over the world in the past two and a half years, have they not? This always has instant payments functionality. It also reduces interbank credit risk and liquidity for participant institutions, increasing the appeal of a current and new use case. All right. I don't know if this is where they talk about that you can get your paycheck through FedNow. I think that's really disturbing. So all thanks to the Federal Reserve, which is clearly not federal, it's clearly global. And you might say, well, how do you know it's global, Robin? Like the Federal Reserve, like that operates in America and there are other central banks. And I would agree with you, but I want to share with you that there are three pieces of evidence that I see that point to the goals or the ambitions of the Federal Reserve's big power grab here being global is, first of all, the Bank of International Settlements is listed as being involved. And that is the central bank of all central banks. It is the global central bank. Some people believe that it is actually the most powerful entity on planet Earth. And there are many entities that are far more powerful than, for instance, the U.S. government. They're somewhere in the middle, we the people being down here at the bottom. But the Bank of International Settlements is always at the top of that pyramid. So my second piece of evidence that I've noticed is that one of their 120 providers, I haven't gone through all of them, is a European bank. And then again, I mentioned that the poll that they're trying to pitch us on how, hey, guys, everybody else wants this, so you should too, because they know that Americans fall for that. People fall for that, right? They show us a poll of almost 10,000 people who want it. Well, they were all from Australia, the UK, and Germany. So... The use cases they actually mentioned as <clears throat> early use cases that they plan to do very quickly with uh, FedNow, the FedNow Rails, are that employers will use it to give you your paycheck. Now, I'm going to get really, really clear about why I think that this is troubling in a minute. But number two, they mentioned that it's where you'll get your insurance payout. So right now, what they are doing is they seem to be trying to bring the insurance companies in to this whole thing. I doubt that the insurance companies and the banks and the payment processors realize how much power they're going to give up when they come under the thumb of the Federal Reserve. I would imagine that they are all very concerned about it. And that's why after a year and a half of work, these, these guys only have 120 participating organizations. That's not very many, really. So my guess is that they're getting a lot of resistance. And so we should all be cheering for that, right? But they literally mentioned that this is where you get your um, insurance payout. So if they've been developing this for 18 months, why are there only 120 financial institutions? And you know, the one that they're always pitching, the one they keep talking about in the press release and on their website and in the media is Square. Why are they only talking about Square? How come PayPal hasn't signed up? 
in a year and a half? How come Venmo hasn't signed up? How come Zelle hasn't signed up? I don't know all of them, but those are just a few off the top of my head. In fact, PayPal owns Square. So I kind of have this uh, guess in the back of my mind that Square is either being offered up by PayPal as, hey, Square's in trouble. Square's really not doing well. I mean, sick companies are a lot more likely to do to be willing to give up their rights, to be willing to do a lot more things than healthy companies are, right? But so I definitely wonder if there's a war going on behind the scenes and there's some competition and there's a lot of pushback from a lot of different places on this whole FedNow thing. So I don't want you guys to get the idea, you know, that you should just be resigned to this and then we just have to accept our fate and here comes the shackles, right? I think it's going to take a while. I think they're going to get pushback, not just from you and me, but from a lot of these institutions, because you know what? These guys are competitors of each other. Visa is a competitor of MasterCard. PayPal is a competitor of um, Zelle. Trying to think of the ones I haven't been counseled by because, you know, I became very keenly aware of the fact that PayPal owns Square when both of them canceled me on the same day. They should be competitors, but when competitors are buying up, all the big sharks are swallowing up all the minnows and all the medium-sized fish. There's only three sharks left at the end, right? So this is just showing you a screenshot of some of the 85 different videos and documents on this FedNow website. And I'm going to send you guys an email when you've opted in for this briefing that I'm doing here. Um, I'm going to send you a list of all the media sources that I looked at. I'm going to send you their website so that you can look at it for yourself. Shouldn't take my word for any of this. This is just my research and I'm making some inferences from my research. So again, remember that some of these people they're trying to bring on, see how they're they're trumpeting that Square is a participant, but they're really like the only big company that they're talking about. So it looks to me like they're trying to make another monopoly and it's not even the actual US federal government doing it. And let's face it, most Americans don't even know that. They don't even know the Federal Reserve isn't, isn't actually federal. So... You know, if you're doing like a big event and you're trying to get a lot of people to come, you try to get that one big name because if you can get that one big name, all the other big names come because they're like, oh, if you have Gary V, Gary Gary Vaynerchuk, then, oh, I want to speak because he's speaking. So there kind of seems to be doing that with Square here. So how will they accomplish this massive effort? Like I said, it looks right now like their focus is on bringing institutions in. And next year, they're going to be pitching you and me um, really hard. It'll be us that, that they recruit. Right now, you can sign up. You can be a beta tester. Okay, so what are they offering the institutions who join? From what I can tell, they don't have much to offer um, in terms of carrots. So they they talk about showcasing. So that right now, they're really showcasing Square, right? So I'm sure they're pitching these um, companies as it being free advertising for them. Okay, So Square just got in the media all over the place. Um, they have a bunch of bank mumbo jumbo, like reducing intra-bank intra credit issues and liquidity will be something that they offer to the institutions who participate. My guess is, though, that in some fashion, the message is sent uh, maybe gradually is do it or we'll make sure that your competitors soak up all your market share. That is what I think the play is here. And we've seen that movie before, have we not? 
Okay, so what did we see in March of 2020? The ones who were allowed to survive the lockdowns were Home Depot, Walmart, Costco, and Amazon, who had to shut their doors for up to a year in some states, um, all the small businesses. Okay, it's a little less simple than this, but you get the idea, right? So there were there were companies that were selected to survive the beginning of the Great Reset. And as is always the play with Marxism, they always crush the small businesses. They crush the property owners. So let's talk about carrots and sticks. And I'm going to make some guesses about what kinds of carrots and sticks they will use to get institutions and then we the people onto FedNow. So just as a recap of the last two years, they started with heavy social pressure, right? Like you got to do this thing to save granny. You got to do this thing because it's patriotic. You got to do this thing because it's the right thing to do. There was some heavy pressure, was there not? Then they offered us a donut. There's a certain percentage of the population and they know this. I personally believe that they probably have a lot of behavioral psychologists working for them. Okay. And I was one. So I know that it all works on rewards and punishments. People do more of what they're rewarded for, whether it's, oh, I get praised on social media for being that good person who got, you know, I, everybody talks about which brand they got. And did I get one? Did I get two? When am I going in for my booster? Did I get four? I'm a really good person if I got four, right? So there's that sort of social reward, that carrot. But if we have to, we'll give you some donuts and some beer, right? Then it was a $100 gift certificate. And then one of the bigger ones that I saw is that they were actually offering Delta pilots $2,000. So now let's talk about sticks. Remember that at first it was like, well, all the cruises, because that one cruise line that sat out there and several people, so there's all these seniors on the cruise and you know they were detained and a few of them died. You got to get it to go on a cruise. And then it was, well, you better get it because we hear that you're going to have to have it to travel outside your, your country. And then it was, you have to get it to even keep your job. Could you have imagined back in the beginning, would you have even believed me if I told you that you're going to be forced to get it, even though the death rate from COVID was some tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of what they told us in the beginning, the it just kept going down, 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 down. And that's just pandemic math, right? All the people that they didn't even know got it. They all survived, obviously. And so the percentage of people who actually die of it goes down, 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 down. But it takes a few years for people to figure that out. So in the beginning, when there's all this hype, and remember being told that like 10% might die before it actually hit the American continent, would you have even believed me if I told you that you would be told you get these jobs or you lose your job, even as a doctor with doctors being in desperate uh, short supply? So the Hegelian dialectic, if you haven't heard of it, it's a very old concept. And that is they create the problem, we react, then they bring us the solution. Now, one thing about the Hegelian dialectic that I've noticed in my lifetime is that the problem has to be buffered for a long time before the solution comes so that most of the people forget who caused the problem in the first place or they forget what caused the problem in the first place. They just suffer for like two years. Now we're into like all this economic chaos, which is what I was predicting last March. That is what I ran all these, all these protests for in Utah. 
and then left and moved to Florida because I was like, this state is so far gone. So they had to have the whole two years of propping up the economy and dumping trillions of dollars into it so that most people forgot why we even have these financial problems. These financial problems really started in March of 2020. So then they bring us the solution. And by then we're on our knees and we're desperate and we accept a terrible solution. So again, we've seen this movie before. What could carrots and sticks look like for Fed now? So for the institutions, they're, they're showcasing them. A lot of the media articles, if you re- review them, um, we'll showcase you in our promoting of Fed now. That's a carrot, right? Um, do it or we'll promote your competitor instead. That would be a stick. Or you'll eventually end up in bankruptcy or you'll end up obsolete if you don't, which is just, uh, number three is just a little worse version than number two, right? So how, how would they lure you and me onto it? Well, right now, they're luring people onto it who just love being early adopters of technology, right? I mean, I don't know if some of you are like one of the first ones to buy Bitcoin. Were you one of the first ones to get on Facebook? You just love getting in there and checking out a new technology. Right now, they're offering you nothing to get on there. But early adopters are cool. And they can be out there talking about this new technology and telling other people about it. So that's a carrot. Then maybe they offer you a $20 Target gift card for getting on and exploring it. And then maybe they get out a little stick, like the banks start closing. They already have been closing. You guys have seen this, right? Or, well, there's no cash available anymore because we banned cash for our safety and protection. So that's another stick. Or you better get on here because your boss is using it for payroll. You don't want to not get paid, right? So that's kind of like a stick. Or get it or you won't get your car insurance settlement. That's another stick. And that is a use case they're actually talking about in the media right now. They're saying that will be an early use case. So the Chinese-style control grid, I think a lot of you have been concerned about this. We've discussed this before. When you control the money, you control the people, and you no longer need enforcement. Okay, And that's always the big bottleneck when you're trying to control a huge population. Like China has to control four times more people than the United States does. Or they think they have to control... 1.3 billion people, right? So when you can use technology to control people, then you get rid of this huge need for manpower to control. So now this is going to get a little bit dark, but I think that more of you will um, resonate with this or understand it than you would have if I would have told you this two and a half years ago. Two and a half years ago, everybody's calling me a conspiracy theorist for stuff like this, but every single one of these is something that they're already talking about doing. Klaus Schwab, World Economic Forum, who has mentored and installed leaders all over the Western world, talks about these exact things and or China already does them. Okay, so this isn't conspiracy theory. This is stuff that is already happening in other parts of the world. So they might tell you that you your money gets turned off, your access to the super app gets turned off if you go set more than seven miles past your house for any reason. Okay, or you don't have access to your money if you don't drive an electric vehicle, if you have a gas vehicle, or you can't access highways without showing your vaccine passport, that how many vaccines you got um, and getting them on time allows you to use the super app or not. Your bank account becomes inaccessible if you miss a rent payment to BlackRock. You're probably aware that BlackRock's been buying up a lot of 
real estate in the United States. Maybe you have to go open the business, but you can't if you didn't get a vaccination by a certain deadline. You might lose 30 social credit score points, and then your friends and family are mad at you because your credit score hurts theirs if they're friends with you on social media. Okay, These are things that already exist and already happen in the world. They use all the carrots and all the sticks in China. So I guess you have to ask yourself, do you want to be forced into a financial monopoly where you can't get your paycheck without it? Do you want to be forced into a financial monopoly where you can't get your car insurance settlement without it? Do you want a cashless society where you can't give your kid a hundred bucks as a gift or pay the neighbor kid to mow the lawn and all the things that are great about being able to transact cash and not have it all be under the umbrella of big brother. So, so there's a guy named Nick Stanescu and he is a, he's an executive of the federal reserve. And he actually admits towards movement to a cashless uh, economy. I'll read it to you. Ultimately, the FedNow service will serve as a platform for financial institutions, processors, and fintechs, that's financial technology companies, to develop innovative new services. Stanescu expects to see some natural migration of payments between the ACH and the wire and FedNow rails over time. Quote, we're also very likely to see new type of payments as we keep moving away from cash. I'm the one who bolded that. As we keep moving away from cash, he said, which may expand overall payments volumes. Early feedback indicates payroll may be an early adoption use case as pay-on-demand models place less demand on batch processes. So they've already said it, you guys, that they want to get employers making payroll through this so they can force employees very easily onto this system. So Coach Justin and I, we have a mastermind and on Wednesday night, I present or one of them present or two of us do it together on a lot of different topics that are of interest to you guys, but you're busy doing what you do for a living. And so we do the research and we present it. And Coach Justin and I have a theory that the Fed wants the banks to die as much as most of of us do, except they kind of have different reasons. They want the banks to die so that they are monopoly and they control all money and all banking and on all the people. We want them to die because we're sick of the tyranny. I mean, I don't know if you guys actually read the contract you signed with a bank when you signed up for a bank account, but you don't own any money in the bank. They have an IOU. You have an IOU and the bank can leave and go on a bank holiday for two months while the dollar crashes and goes to uh, be worth half of what it was before they went on a bank holiday. It's happened all over the world. And Americans think that it can't happen to them. And I'm not saying that's going to happen tomorrow. And I have money in the bank too. And it's hard to figure out what to do. And like, what are you going to do? Just buy a bunch of gold and bury it in your backyard? Of course not. Like we all have to use banking. Uh, We're already basically on a CBDC. We do most of our transacting digitally. Do we not? So anyways... It was Justin who told me that first, that he thinks that the Fed wants the banks to die. And if you think about it, they already are, they have been dying. I mean, it was March, maybe April of 2020 when my bank, well, my first bank, the one I do my business banking through, um, March of 2020, they went to 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. 
So they had even shorter banker's hours and you had appointment appointment only personal banking. Uh, we've seen a lot of branches closing. I bet a lot of you have seen branches closed. And this year I read in May that 42% of financial institutions had had layoffs by uh, May of this year. And that's just this year. That's not, that's not including 2020 and 2021. So is there hope? That was all really depressing. I know, but I think there is. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, there's this article from American Banker. And I actually don't think that this person knows much of what they're talking about. I think this is kind of a lightweight article here. Um, but this journalist is basically saying, you know, the enthusiasm for this actually seems pretty lackluster. And he he actually quotes the Fed vice chair, Lael Brainerd, um, saying, well, how fast the Fed now rolls out is really going to depend on whether we can get people to do it. Right. So, and he also talks about, so some reasons why I have some hope is that institutions do not seem too excited about it. Uh, the Fed doesn't really have very many carrots to offer the institutions. Okay. Besides the showcasing, which seems to be a glitzy word for free advertising. And this article says that apparently there's a competitor and I had to look it up the clearinghouse's RTP network. And what I learned about that is that they control 61% of, what do they call it? I wrote it down. Basically, savings accounts. Savings accounts that pay interest. And it includes, so they they control about 61% of it. So they have a competitor and um, probably these competitors don't really want to see the Federal Reserve become an even more monopoly than an RDS. Another thing, and, and I don't like this, I don't like anybody developing a CBDC, but you know, there's over a hundred different countries in the world who are trying to develop a central bank digital currency. So, and that would, you know, most likely be the goal at least is to have it on the blockchain where it's this immutable ledger and it's sort of fraud proof. So some of my theories, some of the inferences that I make from all of this, and, you know, you guys can throw out any of my theories. I'd love to hear yours, but there's an internal war going on. I think that the Fed is taking advantage of how troubled and even desperate our financial institutions are. Um, but they might be wounded, but they're not dead. And I would imagine that these financial institutions are pushing back. I would imagine that these companies see the risks of being forced under the Fed umbrella and forced onto their payment clearing rails, just like we, you and I are here together because we see the risks. And so an institution's risks are actually quite similar to ours. Um, I think that they are dragging their heels. Otherwise, how do you explain that it's only Square of the big payment processors who has joined? Is that because Square's in financial trouble? I wouldn't be surprised. So some of my theories also include that the central banksters are in total chaos. You see them doing a lot of crazy things. We The, the whole vaccine thing was a catastrophe it continues to roll out as catastrophes. There are lawsuits flying everywhere, all over the world. Everybody's pointing fingers at each other because the thing didn't prevent anything. Um, and nobody wants to take the blame. The CDC 
Um, there was an internal leaked Zoom where Rochelle Walensky was like, we really hurt Americans and we really made a mess of this and we're going to have to completely reorganize ourselves. It is a disaster. Tony Fauci's retiring. He can't stand in the heat anymore. People are angry. We have 1.7 million injured people. So same people running pharma are also running money. And I think that they're fighting amongst themselves is what I think. And I think they're a lot less organized than you might in your worst nightmares think of. Okay, If you're feeling fatalist or you're feeling negative or you're you're operating in the fear vibration, you might think, oh, these are just geniuses and they've had this planned out and everything's going according to plan. Well, we know that Jerome Powell and Lael Brainerd fought over who was going to be the chairman of the Federal Reserve and the Senate couldn't make up its mind for months. Meanwhile, inflation was going up, 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 up. And so when Jerome Powell was finally confirmed for a second term, which you know I don't like Jer- Jerome Powell, but I think Lael Brainerd is entirely terrifying. Um, you know, there's like 400 and something PhD economists who work for the Federal Reserve. And Lael Brainerd is um, he's just as politically liberal as they come. And so what that how that shows up in a financial arena is you know that they're just going to go full bore on dumping money into the economy keynesian economics modern monetary theory where we dump a whole bunch of cash and we do quantitative easing and then we pull cash out with quantitative tightening and the people are just being whipped back and forth so we know that there was a big power struggle over the Federal Reserve and who was going to run things with a more conservative one or the more liberal one. It's honestly the only sort of conservative leaning person that I've seen the Biden administration tolerate, let alone hire or promote or extend a second term to. So there's been quite a power struggle there. So their modern monetary theory chickens, I believe, have come home to roost. Okay, the banksters are in trouble. They've been for 13 years now employing this modern monetary theory, which is kind of like like wackadoo Keynesian economics, where they just think that deficits don't matter and you just dump trillions of dollars into economies and then ratchet up the, the interest rate and bring demand down and bring inflation down. And they just they think that they're just playing with machinery. And I think Jerome Powell knows this thing. He cannot, it cannot be controlled anymore. That's what I mean when I say the chickens have come home to roost is it was all fun and games for 13 years. The great financial crisis of 2008, they actually did not let us suffer the pain of that. They kept pushing it further down the road to here. And now they, the train's coming off the tracks. And I don't think they have this grand plan. I don't think this is working well for them anymore. And so they really need us to drink their Kool-Aid or else their whole plan doesn't work. So my theory is part three. I have a few more things I want to say about that is that they say in their their press release, which all these media stories, which are really placed media, like there's not really been a lot of media outlets that even want to talk about Fed now because it's boring. Like the word is boring. Um, it would they admit that they were going to launch it in 2024 and they've moved it up a year. So they think they say they're going to launch it next year. Whether they do or not, I don't know. 
but you've got to ask yourself why they wanted to, they were planning on launching in 2024 because they know it's a lot of work, right? But now they are just pedal to the metal. Let's get it out there. Done is better than perfect. Let's get it out there in 2023. Why? Well, my opinion is because the economic chaos is rolling out faster than they anticipated and they have to take advantage of it. As Winston Churchill said, never let a good crisis go to go to waste, right? And I think they're doing it because Americans have pushed back and are furious about the destruction of our small businesses, the increasing loss of privacy, the losses of freedom, the increased surveillance, and the horrible fiscal policy that has caused a lot of suffering in the economy. And we can all see that it just gets worse from here. Higher taxes. Now we've got a bill that, that they want to send 87,000 new employees of the IRS out to persecute middle-class Americans. So I think that's why they moved it up to 2023. We will see if they actually accomplish that. So the final few things that I want to share with you, they're just my theories from that I infer from my research is that um, financial institutions are going to have to be strong-armed to get them to play. They don't, they clearly don't want to very much or why are there only 120 of them? And I don't even like, I look at them and most of them, their names, I've never even heard of them. So I also have a theory that they did not get as far with COVID as they'd hoped. I think that they wanted to have us on digital passports by now and, and vaccine passports. I think they thought they could accomplish that and they got a lot of pushback on that. So if you were part of that, high five, congratulations. We, the people have to stand up to this. If we lay down for it, if you're a parent and you lay down for this, it's just like, what what did, what did you bring children into this world to do? I don't think it was that. I don't think it was to lay down for a completely different world that we didn't sign up for. I, I didn't bring my children into communism. If I wanted to bring my children into communism, I would have moved to Cuba, right? So is there hope? Do I have hope? Yes, I do. Why? First of all, not all tyrannies in the world succeed. In fact, a minority of them succeed. Let me use Stalin as an example. You may not know because they did not teach you in school about something that where a lot more people died than the Holocaust. You were taught about the Holocaust. I see. It seems like I had a unit on the Holocaust every single year that didn't teach me in the Holocaust that a couple million Christians died in there. Um, but we didn't learn about the Holodomor, which is actually three separate genocides by Stalin against the people of the Ukraine. It, is, it has sucked to be a Ukrainian for a very, very long time. But here's the thing. He killed 10 million Ukrainians, and that's the ugly, horrible part. But his regime also failed. So it looks to me like this regime, this coup d'etat, that we've experienced, like probably a lot of you do not believe that the president that we got in January of 2021 is the one that we elected. Many people call that a coup d'etat. Many people call the takeover of medicine by the state, which also happened in uh, post-World War Germany, was a coup d'etat on private medicine. It looks to me like this regime, this coup d'etat is in chaos. So I will also, when I send you out a list of all my resources, I'm going to show you a little 15 minute condensed um, little film documentary. Okay. You can, you can watch, there's an 11 hour documentary 
that I've watched of the Holodomor. And you have to hold your stomach. It's some of the worst torture and genocide you've ever heard of. But this is a 15-minute one, just so you should know about it. Like You should know about it, and you should know how similar this is, that right now they are trying to... um, They're taking over farmland. That is a big part of the Marxist playbook is to obtain state control over the means of production. That is what Marxism is. So this is just a little 15-minute YouTube on how Stalin starved the Ukraine in the Holodomor. Okay, so what's our best hope? What what do we, the people, need to do? you got to educate your boss. You got to educate your friends. You got to educate your family. You got to continue your own education. Okay, this isn't a one and done thing. We have to know what's going on here. We have to pay attention. We can't stick our head in the sand. We, you know, there's been all the metaphors about ostriches and sheep and whatever, but we can't be an ostrich. We know what happens to ostriches who stick their head in the sand, right? I hope that you will share this briefing with everyone you know, because I don't think people out there have any idea what just got announced and what a big power move this is. Is it accomplished yet? No. That's why I have hope. That's why I say, let's get out there now. Let's get as many people educated as we could. What if we had known in early 2019 what was going to be done to us in March of 2020? Would you want to tell people about it? That's the opportunity that we have right now. So awareness and getting your ducks in order so that you can refuse to participate. Tell your boss about it. I mean, if I have to... like walk to give my employees their pay. I'm not going to use this as a way to pay them their paycheck because I don't want them in the control grid. I don't want to be and I don't want them to. So I am going to send you a list of my references so that you guys can read them yourself. So watch for that in your email. Get the link for your friends to get in and watch this briefing because you're not going to get this from the media. This information that we are covering here is not in the media. Join our Insiders Mastermind. I started Take Action for Freedom. I didn't know why I was starting it. I just knew we were losing freedoms fast in March of 2020. So I just bought the domain takeactionforfreedom.com. And I ran, like I said, all these protests. And we did all these one-click letter campaigns. And we found all the people who cared about freedom in Utah. And we've done the same thing in Florida. But since I founded the Mastermind in July of 2021, just because I was doing so much research... And people were always like wanting to get on the phone with me and learn what I had studied. So I'd put a couple thousand hours in. We have done trainings on preparedness. Okay. So one of the most popular trainings I've ever done, 8,000 people watched it, is on preparedness. And it's like the inexpensive, easy ways to get prepared. Um, We talk a lot about how to reposition yourself financially. Okay. We don't give financial advice. We're not financial advisors, but I have radically repositioned myself financially. Real estate rentals were my my retirement plan. And I was getting close to thinking about partly retiring, like working 20 hours a week. I have a great team. They can run things. I was going to ramp down. Now I spend a lot of time doing activism and things like this that I never would have imagined in a million years doing. But that's what we talk about is how to reposition yourself financially because everybody I know with any significant net worth is sitting in a lot of liquidity going, what do I do? All the markets look terrible. All the markets look inflated and ready to completely deflate. So we talk a lot about where to invest. We talk about Bitcoin versus gold and silver. Uh, We talk about real estate. We talk about the markets. We talk about how the big players manipulate the markets. These are not things you learn in the media. Uh, We really started off mostly teaching people about cryptocurrency 
and decentralized finance, also called DeFi. And it's going to change your life. It is currently changing your life, whether you get on board with learning about what it's about so that you become, you can capitalize on it rather than get run over by it. It's totally up to you, but that's really why we started the mastermind. So we we go through, um, Justin will often do this, goes, goes through news. Justin is our MBA coach. He has a background in managing supply chains. Uh, he has a couple of master's degrees. We have Coach Andrea, who worked for 20 years in IT. Um, we have Coach Felipe, who's a Chilean living, living in Canada, who makes a full-time living supporting his family uh, doing trading in crypto. And he trade, he teaches you to trade in cryptocurrencies. Um, and we have Coach Willie, who is an Alabama football coach. And he's just a really good teacher too. That's what he does full-time and he does it part-time for us. And some of these guys make a full-time living when you hear these labor markets have really low unemployment, but also lots of people not participating in the labor market. One of my theories is that there's a bunch of them who are finding ways like that to make a living, training people in how the world is changing. We're doing it. This isn't something I planned on doing. This isn't what I went and got three degrees to do. Um, they certainly do help, but this is this isn't what I plan to do with my career. So I don't I don't think these guys all planned on being crypto traders. And now we are going to keep a very close eye on Fed now, and we are going to do at least monthly updates on what we see happening with it. Now you have my theories, you have my research. I'm going to send you an email with my actual sources so you can do your own research. Don't take my mind, my uh, word for it. But uh, if you would like to join our mastermind, you can get a free month right now. We're offering a free month in our mastermind. You can go to takeactionforfreedom.com slash mastermind. But we are tracking all these issues and giving you the Reader's Digest every week on Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. We get on and we answer your questions so we can keep you up to speed on what the media isn't going to tell you. And so just plan on your um, you giving us an hour every Wednesday night at 8 p.m., right? It's very, that gives you some structure. When you join the mastermind, we will put you into nine trainings. And you can get up to speed and you can learn what this jargon is. If you're like, oh, people keep talking about crypto and decentralized finance. I'll tell you what, I don't care how low Bitcoin goes. I'm not selling mine. And I really can't cover all that right now. I just think that everybody should understand what exactly these top uh, cryptocurrencies are. One of the reasons why I started the mastermind is that I'm almost more worried about people who get into all these altcoins. There's 20,000 of them. There's not room for 20,000 cryptocurrencies. We don't need that many. It's just like the dot-com bubble. So I care just as much about protecting people from buying into some scammy coin that somebody invented in their basement and will never get out of the starting blocks. I'm just as concerned about you guys not jumping into the crypto market knowing nothing about it because you got to know what you don't know in the crypto world. And we don't like to complicate it. We like to decomplicate it and teach so that you can understand. So I hope that I've done that here. I hope that you have learned something here. I tried to take some fairly complex subjects and make them understandable um, for a layperson who doesn't live in the world of markets and finance and and, uh, how the world is radically changing right now. So I hope this has been useful to you and I hope to see you in the mastermind 
on Wednesday night, every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Hope to see you there. Take care, everyone. Bye.